I'm Robin Gallagher and welcome to Ripples. Throughout our program, a series of guest speakers will share words of wisdom from their life experience and we will offer you a series of meditations so that you can take some time just to stop and listen to that voice within, that voice of the Spirit. So come and enjoy some inspired voices and treasured stillness and allow the ripple effect to begin. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Matthew Ames. Matthew was 39 years old in 2012 when what started as a sore throat developed into streptococcal resulting in toxic shock. At the time, there was great concern for Matthew as he was given 1% chance of survival. Matthew was placed into an induced coma and it was Matthew's wife, Diane, who needed to make the heart-wrenching decision to remove Matthew's four limbs in order to save his life. In this second episode, Matthew will speak about some of the practices that have sustained him over the years. He will speak about the value of gratitude, mindfulness, prayer and acceptance. Following times of deep reflection, Matthew has a perspective on life that is both refreshing and unique. This is part two of Matthew's story. Matthew, I can only imagine that that you had pre-existing qualities which enabled you to be flexible or enable you to adapt and to change. I know it's sort of looking back, but what do you think are the qualities that, that you developed in your younger years that in many ways, supported you at this time? Uh, there's probably, well, there's a couple. Um, probably one of the key things for me was just this uh, ongoing belief that I can kind of do anything. Yeah. Um, and my dad is just the most amazingly optimistic person who, if he just decides he needs to do something, he'll go off and learn about it. And then next thing you know, he'll be, um, you know, like he's, he's programming different things. So he's an engineer by background as well. Is he? Um, he's, a, uh, he's a serial inventor. He'll just come up with different things. And, you know, I remember um, as, a, as a teenager being, um, you know, sold my sister's car for $50 because it didn't work. Um, and I proceeded to basically strip the entire engine and rebuild it. I'd never worked on a car before, but, you know, I thought, okay, buy a, book and, <laughs> buy a book and I'm sure I can do this. Um, oh, I, I, learned through, I learned through the process that I didn't know what I was doing and that I needed help and all sorts of things, but it's just that, that constant belief that, you know, I can find a way through this. There must be a solution. Um, if I don't know that there's a solution, I just haven't found it yet. So, you know, I think that is certainly... Um, it's probably one of the reasons why I sort of got into engineering, but it's also, you know, one of the reasons that I've been able to sort of continuously look and stay hopeful through this process and find solutions for things that I never think thought existed, you know, down to, you know, my dad and I inventing how to put crutches in a prosthetic arm, exactly. um, which has never been done in the world before. So we've, we've, uh, we've done it. Um, there's a worldwide market of maybe five people. So, um, but, but it's enabled me to get up and walk um, and not fall over. So, um, so, you know, I think that's certainly been a, a, an important thing that I've brought through from my childhood. Um, you know, the, 
um, the importance of, you know, supporting each other um, you know, through difficult times, I think, is another one which, is, um, which has certainly helped. And, you know, I think, you know, my family certainly got a lot closer um, through this adversity as well. Mm. I think one of the qualities that I've I've observed just through seeing and reading part of your story is is that quality of gratitude, and it was something that that struck me because I remember all those years ago when I first saw the program Sunday night program where your story was 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 first shared, and in that story they talked about. Um, the fact that you had gone into a coma and that uh, your beautiful wife died um, at the moment when you came out of the coma, as you mentioned before, she she had to share the story of, of what had happened and um, the decisions that were made during that time. And I know that sometime afterwards, um, when you were in a position to be able to speak, one of the first things that you actually said to die was thank you. And I remembered hearing that and it it hit me in a big way. It hit me profoundly because I was amazed at your ability to go to that place. And I can only assume that this is something that's part of you and it's been part of who you are for a very, very long time. So I just wonder if you could speak a little bit about this practice of gratitude because um i mean you even today you speak about dying your kids and the people you've worked with but what has this practice how how has it impacted you and and how valuable do you see it uh oh look i think um it's absolutely critical for me um you know, i've always been an optimistic kind of person and i think um Gratitude extends to people, um, but also experience as well. You know, I think that's important. You know, like, you know, I remember just being on the beach one day uh, after I became ill and, you know, I, I was grieving for the fact that I couldn't jump in the water and swim with the kids and various other things. And I was getting, you know, quite sad and, you know, shed a tear, which is totally understandable. Yeah. And I was grieving for that moment. But then... You know, as I was sitting there, I kind of then just realised that it was fantastic to actually be part of the experience with my family, that I was there. Um, people had taken the effort to, you know, die taking the effort to push me out on a beach wheelchair all the way out to the, um, to sit on the beach. But also, uh, you know, I could feel the sun on my face and the wind in my hair and, you know, I just love being outdoors and just that, that sense of gratitude in that moment just brought me back to that being present in that moment um, and, you know, made me realise that, you know, that everything was okay. Um, you know, it's okay that I was sad and it's okay that I was missing, but it's also okay that I was there and, you know, there was a moment to enjoy rather than being overwhelmed by the sadness. Um, I think is kind of an important practice for me that, I've found that that gratitude has really um, helped me ground myself in the present. Yes. Um, and uh, it's something that I've actually learned from Di. She's much better at it than I am yeah. compared to Diane. I'm probably, uh, you know, mean spirit. <laughs> she's, she, she's a hard one to follow. So she's, um, so she's taught me a lot about, about gratitude and, um, you know, the value that it, has in keeping my mind in a positive 
frame of mind yeah. um, and, uh, you know, not then falling into, you know, staying in those, you know, deep, dark places for too long. Yeah, yeah. And I think, as you said so um, eloquently, it's it's often holding both, you know, that honouring of of the authentic feelings of grief and whatever it, that experience may be, um, yeah. but also in that moment appreciating what is in that moment, you know, and holding both and allowing that gratitude to shift that energy around it too, I imagine. Yeah, and I think, you know, when I was in hospital, I probably got some good psych support and simple question that I was given at the time around my thoughts, which I kind of use on a daily basis, is um, when I'm thinking something, um, just ask myself the question, um, is it helpful or is it not, that thought? And, um, you know, generally as soon as I go to judgment of either myself or other people, you know, the clear answer to that question is, well, no, this is not helpful, you know, well, you know, why didn't they find my illness earlier? You know, why didn't I go to the doctor, you know, or jump up and down more frequently? You know, why did this happen to me? All those kinds of questions. Yes, they're questions I could ask, but they're just not helpful questions. Um, so, you know, I've certainly found the practice of gratitude um, and also, you know, quietening those types of thoughts. You know, mindfulness practices have certainly... Um, helped me process a lot of the things that I've had to do. And I think, as you said, it's it's loving it all. You know, how, yes. do, you love, how do you actually love the, love the yes. fact that you're going through grief or yes. as, as well as love the fact that it's a beautiful day, you know, um, in the same moment? Um, yes. And, you know, I've found if I can actually stay out of judgment and, you know, I've got another saying of, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, it, there's no judgment around it it's just the way that it is it then it then enables me to very quickly go from that point to going okay so now what am I going to do about it you know it doesn't mean I have to stay there it doesn't mean I have to um you know accept uh you know that you know it's going to be that way all the time it's just it is what it is so what are we going to do yes yes um, I'm going to write that one down today. That's, a, that's one I'm not going to forget. Yes. It's a real Simple power, one. Yeah. A real power in it. Yeah. Matthew, you talked about one um, that, that this, all that happened forced you to slow down, forced you to stop. And I imagine in those places of stopping, it encouraged you to, to think about certain things and perhaps even look at life in different ways. In those places of stopping or silence, could you tell us a little bit more about that and what it has perhaps even offered you or, or, or given you in your Yeah, life? sure. Yeah. Well, there's nothing like going from being, you know, overly busy to lying, staring at the ceiling for 24 hours in intensive care. So it was pretty extreme. <laughs> um, so um, I think that's where I really had to apply a lot of those techniques that I've talked about. Yes. In in those quiet times, um, you can really go to places that are not helpful for for myself. So, um, how to actually we use those quiet times um, constructively? Uh, and I think particularly when I'm going through something difficult, I will tend to find a way to um, expand those quiet times to help me 
sort of process whatever's happening to me or going through mm-hmm. um, and using those other techniques um, and constructingly using those quiet times has really probably led me to some of those other things, you know, like more gratitude, you know, more living in the present moment, um, the ability to reflect on myself and, you know, things that I may not be doing very well or um, things that I should change or, you know, I think it's a, a really um, uh, valuable process to go through. You know, people talk about um, prayer and the use of prayer. I think that for me is my prayer. Yes. So I it's that, that ability to, you know, slow down, use that time to reflect and um, to a certain degree, you know, wait for the answer. Yeah. But it doesn't always come. No, so. no. I want it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if yeah. only. If yeah. only. Spaciousness and time. Matthew, I'm really interested to know a bit more about what you're doing now because I know that you're 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 involved in a number of different um, organisations and that I'd love to hear a bit about what you're up to now. Sure. Yeah, I think it. Um, well, my. Uh, my surgeon told me it'll be a, it normally take somebody about two years to, you know, um, excuse my um, pump, but to get on back on their feet after an amputation. Um, uh, uh, since I had four, I think that gives me eight years to get back up and running again. So <laughs> yes. it, it it probably took me a good four, probably four or five years to sort of really go, okay, well, this is now my new normal um, with there's a lot of changes and, you know, things to overcome and things to put in place over that time. So, um, but probably for, I mean, for at least the last three years, if not four or five years, it's um, it's really been my new sense of normal, mm-hmm. um, which has enabled me to, you know, slowly become less selfish. So when you're in a survival mode, um, it's very hard to think about anything apart from taking that next breath or, you know, um, it's a very... You know, getting getting better in that scenario is a very selfish process because everyone's helping you and you're consuming everyone's resources. But you know, over time, it's been really nice to then slowly, you know, work towards um, you know thinking about other people, and then um, it's now given me an opportunity to work with um, with organisations who you know help in the in the community. So that's been probably a you know, it's been my career change. I've gone yeah. from yes. you know, um, en- energy uh, energy sector to more not for profit um, disability um, and healthcare, which has kind of been a um, you know transferable skills um, yeah. across that. So um, and also working out how can I apply myself in a you know different scenario. You know, I'm I'm not able and not willing to do you know sixty hours a week. Um, you know, I've you know, the business of being, you know, working my disability and fixing all my issues, you know, um, does take a bit of time, yes. um, but not a huge amount of time. So I need something that's flexible. So I had a sort of looked around what was uh, going to suit my skills um, and ended up looking at um, corporate governance mm. um, as a way to apply my skills um, from my previous roles to what I do now. So. Mm. So I'm on a number of boards and steering committees for you know, a number of different organisations. That um, one being Centrecare um, here in Brisbane, um, which does some fantastic um, work for um, a lot of vulnerable people. Um, and so being able to give back um, in that way, um, 
another organisation which helps um, kids with hearing difficulties. Nice. Um, so and another was just trying to get a bionics industry up and running um, uh, for um, users as well. Uh, it's, been, it's been great, as well as um, injecting myself into the health care uh, side of things. Um, sepsis is what um, I ended up having and you know, losing my limbs because of um, sepsis and septic shock. So um, I hadn't really heard about it beforehand. Um, and uh, you know, not a lot of people really know the signs or symptoms. So that's another kind of passion of mine is trying to prevent what happened to me um, happening to others through education, awareness, effective treatment. So I'm involved in a number of different things on that. Wow, really well. exciting and, and life-giving projects, Matthew. Just just remarkable. And I, I wish you the best with all, all of those projects. Um, yeah, it keep, keeps me busy amongst the kids. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Matthew, I just wonder, just as a, as a final final question, you know, someone who, else who um, goes through a difficult time like yourself, because I, I know I've seen you on a couple of programs where you've supported other people who have gone through some somewhat similar circumstances, slightly different, but but um, some challenges. I wonder what what would be one or two pieces of advice you would give to someone um, in that place now, really going through a tough time, uh, physically, mentally, um, coming to terms with with their new reality. Yeah, um, the first bit of advice I give them is that I'm not one to give them advice. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, in, in, in my view, every single person's journey is different and yeah. we all have our own crosses to bear. Yeah. You know, um, I don't see mine as being bigger, smaller. You know, it's just different. Yes. Um, and in that, my experiences and what works for me um, works for me and I'm not here to tell other people what they should do or how they should think in their experience because they are the only ones who know their experience. So so what I tend to do is just share the things that have worked for me um, in a hope that people can then pick up what they think might work for them. And, and a bit of an example of that is um, I remember talking to a Catholic school up here in Brisbane a few years ago um, I, you know, I told my story and then the teacher asked the 60 kids to write a letter to me about what they took out of what I shared with them. Mm. And the thing that really struck me is um, all 60 kids took out something totally different wow. that, that was particularly relevant, relevant for them. Um, and then there was one particular um, fellow who uh, uh, had a, his sick father, very sick father at the time and... You know, that one probably impacted me the most around how, you know, the story that I told that he picked up on was just not one that I would have expected that was particularly important. But, um, you know, so I think my, in saying all that, my suggestion would be that, you know, recognise that your journey is your journey and, you know, find what works for you. Um, you know, if you can find your own sense of purpose and what that looks like. Um, you know, if you can find a way to, you know, uh, get to a point of acceptance and however that works for you, you know. Like mindfulness, sometimes people like, you know, quiet places. Some people go for a run. Some people listen mm -hmm. to a music, you know. Yeah. We're, all, we're all different. And yes. if, we can, if we can work out a way of 
um, you know, finding peace with where we're at, you know, working out where you want to go um, and then understanding that you're not alone and that there are people helping you to get wherever you want to go, they would probably be my overarching frameworks for people to find their way to whatever is it they want to achieve. Yeah, no, that that's, would... that, that's wonderful, Matthew. As you said, it, it's it's about finding your own pathway and and taking those things that are meaningful and most resonate and most work for you, and, and that journey is, is, is a very personal one. It is. And the, the greatest gift we can sometimes do is just share our story because I have no doubt that um, that our listeners will pick up different aspects of what you've said today. Um, and you don't have to agree with it. You can throw no, it out and no, listen to I someone don't. else and that's okay. Yes. <laughs> but there's just, just so much, so much. Matthew, I can't thank you enough. Just My pleasure, Rob. Absolutely amazing. And I I, I just thank you for, for, your, for your openness for your courage, for your being just so authentic. And it's, it, it's been just such a joy to, to talk with you today. And I just wish you all the very best with the, the many projects that you're involved in with your beautiful family, Di and all the children. And I, and I hope that we have another chance to, to connect at some point in the future as well. So thank you yeah. very, very much. My pleasure. I'd love that. And, and thanks for sharing people's stories because that, as you mentioned, is one of the key things that, you know, I believe helps people. So, so thanks for what you do. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matthew. My pleasure. Thank you for joining our program today. Throughout our conversation, there were so many words of wisdom shared by Matthew, words of great insight, authenticity and hope. With this in mind, I've created a meditation which draws on some of these words to provide you with time to sit with them a little longer. This meditation is entitled Meditation 24, a meditation for strength, and will be available next week. During this time of COVID-19, I am so very mindful that it's an unsettling and for some an incredibly challenging time. As you enter this next week, I hope that you will find pockets of time for you to stop and draw on those things that give you strength. Take care, and I look forward to being with you next time.